I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Places, everyone. It's time for The, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show. Thank you, Places. Okay, tonight we are talking with Kyle Kaufman. Uh, we first met Kyle back in 2015 when he played the Artful Dodger at Arena Stage, um, a production that I was in. So, you know, he's done a lot of other stuff besides that. Uh, we'll talk about all that. Broadway's West Side Story revival in 2009 and the uh, original production of Newsies, as well as a little film directed by Steven Spielberg that he's a part of that will be coming out this December. No big deal at all. Um, so we're going to chat with him in just a few moments. We just need to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Absolutely. Hey, Kyle, how are you? I'm excellent, Stephen. How are you, man? Great to hear from you. Yeah, I'm good. It's I'm here with my husband, Matt. Hi, Kyle. Matt, what's up? I'm Mrs. Stephen Gregory Smith. <laughs> I remember meeting you uh, a couple times during our Oliver run, and it was quite a pleasure, so I'm happy to be joining you guys. Yeah, so just, just for our listeners, uh, I met Kyle in 2015 at uh, Arena Stage in their production of Oliver. He played the Artful Dodger. And I did not get to spend much time with Kyle um, because I was one of the farty old adults. And I was in like one dance number. But um, the adults farty? Well, you know, in Oliver, the adults are farty. You know, a bit farty. Yeah, yeah. Good description. yeah, so I just, you know, I, I had a lot of time to write in my dressing room. I was writing one of our shows at the time. but I remember that, yeah. But I also did not hang out because my dog... I also and, remember that. I was thinking about that today. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, until he passed away, which he did on a Monday, like a good show dog does. <laughs> um, well. I... I didn't go out and then I needed to go out uh, and I brought my husband with me. I think we went, what was that bar that we went to a lot that was right around the corner? Yeah. I was just trying to remember that place. Uh, Something I can't remember. They had good pizza and good food and I actually drank my first martini there and I've been a lover of martinis ever since. So yeah, there's a, I don't know. I I can't remember. And it's probably a different restaurant by now anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, but that's where I met Kyle. I, Kyle, I remember specifically this. You know, you remember Arena has that great kitchen where we would all eat mm-hmm. uh, together. And that's how, like, you know, the cast would bond. I mean, it's so different theater to theater how a cast usually gets together. But that kitchen, like, makes you, like, sit down and talk and get to know each other. Um, yeah. And I remember it was during October. I was doing my 31 days of Halloween films where Mm -hmm. I list of, and you know, when you get in a new cast, you Facebook friend, everybody, you know, and you had started to like some of my things and you even suggested some films. So we kind of had a little geeky bond over like horror films. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. I think you suggested to me the fiend without a face. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. Um, But anyway, 
I just remember being. Are we going to talk about horror films? Are we going to talk about horror films? We may. Who knows? <laughs> um, I just remember being uh, very fascinated by watching you dance. Your your incredible skill every night. Um, oh, thank you. And not ever really getting to know many people in that cast more than the ones I already knew. I thought I just want to talk to Kyle because, and this is the fun fact because I'm either a bad friend or algorithms on Facebook are weird. I had no idea until I did some deeper diving that you're going to be in the West side story film. Yeah, totally. I know, man, Facebook is so hard to figure out these days. I basically don't even use it anymore. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the new, that's the new news coming from my side. Um, and it's finally coming out in December. It was supposed to come out last December. So it right. feels like forever ago that we did it. And I'm super stoked to see any glimpse of it. I haven't seen anything except uh, the trailer. So so we're definitely going to spend some time on that um, because that was my pleasant, wonderful discovery. I was so excited for you. I have so many questions, of course, Yeah. Uh, about like, oh, you know, no big deal. Just doing a Steven Spielberg film. <laughs> Rita Moreno and a remake of one of the most classic beloved musicals ever. Um, yeah. But let's, so, so right now you're, you're talking to us from the West coast. Yeah. I'm actually right now I'm in Boise, Idaho, which is where I was originally born. Uh, and my father used to live here. Um, and when my parents got divorced, I stayed with my mom, but I'd come visit my dad here during the summers and Christmas holidays. Um, so I have a lot of pleasant memories of Boise, but my father passed in 2008, so I had never been back. And then I took a road trip this summer, kind of, you know, once the pandemic first hit, I guess it was last summer now. Um, you know, I uh, wanted to get out and see the country a little bit. Uh, there wasn't much work to be had or anything. So um, I ended up coming back through Idaho and I just decided to stay here for a while because it's really nice to get away from the sort of uh, hustle and close knit sort of claustrophobic elements of uh, New York. So you were, um, so this might be a really dumb question, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, ask questions like on my aunt Cheryl or something like that. Yeah, I don't please. have an aunt Cheryl, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so did, did West side story film in New York or LA? It did. It filmed in New York. Um, I remember uh, there was a few locations like a um, Steiner studios in Brooklyn on the waterfront, that's where they sort of built some of the inside sets. Um, a lot of it was filmed uptown, actually, you know, on location as much as they could. Um, and then we filmed in Patterson, New Jersey for some of it as well. Okay. So you, you were in New York when like, let's say March, 2020. Yep. And that's when shit started getting cray cray and it was like exactly. time, time to get out. Um, yeah, I sort of, I, I hung around for a bit, because uh, at the beginning, I, we didn't exactly know what the length or the duration or the seriousness or anything or what was going to happen. So um, I just sort of, you know, hung around for a month or so. And I think it was like mid-June. Um, that's when I hit the road. Um, and I had a lot of friends and family that I could stay with along the way that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, so it just felt like I'd been looking for an opportunity to sort of travel and get away. And um, it just seemed like the perfect time to do it. Okay, so before we get too far into West Side Story, and Matthew, feel free to jump in at any point. I, I, um, I have to, full disclosure, uh, since 
my pug Buddha died, our pug Buddha died in 2015, uh, we were, of course, grief stricken. And then about a year, was it a year? It wasn't even a year, was it, Matthew? Well, we got we got two pugs. Um, yeah. So now I think have, I remember seeing them. Yeah. Yeah, we have two and more. They're assholes. They are. Yeah. <laughs> what What are their names? Lord Byron and Edgar Allan Pug. Oh man, they sound very dignified. Well, they're not. We call them Eddie. <laughs> we call them Eddie and Byron mainly. Um, yeah, but that's they great. they are sitting here. So if you hear any strange noises, you know they're aliens. These dogs. So yeah. <laughs> I I want to. I just want to know more about Boise right now. So, Boise, yeah. Boise is the capital. It is the capital. Capital of Idaho. Uh, it's sort of the blue dot in a big red state. Um, mm. So there's there's a nice little kind of bohemian sort of hippie-ish kind of country vibe, but it's also very, it's kind of like uh, a lot of these cities out here like Seattle or Portland, there's a lot of trees, there's a big river that goes through, so it's really scenic, you got the mountains, um, and it's just, uh, they think it's growing, and of course it's growing a lot compared to what it used to be 20 years ago or whatever, but um, it's still, to me, it feels really laid back and you know, we got a nice little house and a backyard and stuff like that. So it's um, it's nice to just sort of, you know, I've been playing a lot of Frisbee golf. That's big up here. So they got big parks and uh, take out some Frisbees, do a little Frisbee golf. I used to play love up the Frisbee rat. golf. Steven, have you done Frisbee golf? No, I'm tilting my head because I don't know what it is. Oh, it's so It's crazy. really fun. Yeah, it's really fun. It's addicting. They have these like poles with baskets and it's otherwise just like a golf course. And you have all these different discs. And you throw, you know, you have like drivers and you get up close and you throw putters and you try to get them in the little baskets. And it's just like golf. Now, this sounds like I've never heard of that. And uh, this sounds not, like, an, not, not big on the East Coast. Yeah, I would say. But one of my co-workers said that they were going magnet fishing this weekend. And I had never heard of that either. Wow. I've never heard of magnet fishing. I think people are taking too much of that CBD oil. Yeah. <laughs> We're not enough. Or not enough. Yeah. <laughs> I would suggest reaching out and maybe doubling up on those gummies. Yes. Um, okay. So that's Boise and Frisbee Golf, uh, which I'm going to have to look up now because I'm fascinated. I'm a big foodie. I want to know just one thing in Idaho, that one either fast food chain or the one go-to that you can't find like on the West or the East. All right. Good question. And I have a great answer for that. There's, um, so I grew up, I was born in 1985. Um, my pops passed in 08, so I spent a lot of years here in Boise growing up, and there was this, a lot of places are gone, but my favorite place, it's like a little drive-through, like locally owned, um, kind of 50s style burger joint, that's called Hawkins Packout, and it takes a little bit longer through the drive-through, it's not quite fast food, because they actually make it, um, but it's lasted here um, for all those years, and it's still, it was like the first thing I went and discovered to see if it was still here when I got here. And I, I go once a week, get some onion rings. They got this really great fry sauce. Um, you get some milkshakes, all different kind of colors. And, you know, chipper high school kids making it for you. So it's fun. Maybe there'll be a sponsor for this episode. <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. Always I'm open just, to sponsorship. I, yeah, I'm just reaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, so, Kyle, like, you grew up in Boise. Like, tell me the journey from, like, and you don't have to, like, you know, make it a novel. But Cliff's no Cliff notes me, like, from high school to uh first broadway show was what it correct me if i'm wrong was it west side it was yeah west side story yeah so, so uh, that. yeah totally so 
uh, I come from a long line of performers, right? My sister and I are like fourth generation show business people. Um, so, and that comes from my dad's side. He was a ballet dancer. And on my mom's side, she was from Vegas. Um, she was uh, too short to be a showgirl, but she was like in the pony lines, like they call it, like she was a really good dancer. Um, and so I grew up in a dance environment. My parents always had dance studios. Uh, and then we moved to Branson, Missouri uh, when I was in high school because there was a lot of country music shows and sort of, uh, I don't know, it was kind of like Las Vegas vibe, but for senior citizens and really Christian. And But there was work there for theater people. Um, and it was a you know safe environment, air quotes. Like my parents didn't want to, my mom, my stepdad didn't want to go to a, one of the cities anymore. And, um, so I was, my high school was basically going to the dance studio right after high school and then going to the theater at night because I worked for uh, this guy named Jim Stafford who was a recording artist in the 70s. He had his own theater. He's a comedian, singer, songwriter. And I sort of got to hang out at the theater all day, all night. Um, I grew up around the theater, so, you know, running up and down the aisles and my mom was doing tech rehearsals, stuff like that. Um, and I was able to earn some money and, you know, I played uh, the trumpet in the show. I did all the backstage stuff like, you know, striking curtains and all that kind of stuff. Um, did some dancing and, you know, worked the concession stand and was an usher, things like that. Um, so then I moved to New York uh, in 2003, went to Joffrey Ballet School. Um, and for a few years there, I just kind of bounced around classical and contemporary uh, dance companies. Um, I was with the Joffrey Second Company for a while, then went to more contemporary dance. But I always wanted to be an actor. It was always something that... Um, I bonded with my mom and I watching films and talking about films. And um, so finding my musical theater uh, career was just kind of a way to bridge those two gaps. And I just was dancing for a local ballet company called New York Theater Ballet. And I was able to do some really cool old ballets that I would never get a chance to do. Um, I was really happy to dance there, but I just knew there was something else out there. And I just started checking the online auditions. Um, I wasn't an equity member or anything like that. And I saw that they were doing the West Side. Looked like they needed young, short-looking dancers. And, um, you know, I just knew I could do it. And so I you had to fake a couple sick days in the ballet company and go do the auditions and uh, ended up booking it. And that sort of um, changed everything. It was like I'd been using uh, my left hand my whole life. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh man, I'm right-handed. Like once I got to kind of get out of the ballet world and use my voice on stage and become more of a story because the narrative aspect of dance was always what uh, uh, compelled me to do it the most. Um, so to be able to take that and kind of bring it, bring words and bring more linear storytelling, it was just, uh, it was just a pleasure. So I should have known you were a trumpeter. I'm a trumpeter as well. All right. So we can yeah. usually sense our own kind. Absolutely, yeah. It takes a certain personality to play a trumpet. It's mm -hmm. always been the case. When I meet another trumpeter, I'm like, of course, it makes sense now. Everything makes sense. Dude, I could totally imagine you in the trumpet section of the band. You're right. Absolutely. Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's awesome. So, so you played Arab. Arab, yep. And this was 2009, um, correct? Yeah, it was. It was. I think we started rehearsals in 2008, and it opened in like January or February of 2009. And that was Arthur Lawrence was uh, directing it, and uh, he wrote the original uh, book. Um, so he was 94 at that time. So it was really uh, one fascinating thing about, or lucky thing about the jobs I've gotten to do is I've gotten to work with a lot of really old, respectable people that are, that are on there sort of, it's the last time that a lot of people get to work with them. 
And since I had such a, a history with like my father, he danced with Nereev and all this stuff. And so I would always hear these stories of all these old sort of uh, brilliant choreographers. And um, I got to dance with Sally Wilson and Eleanor Duantano, who are these old ballerinas that my father used to know. And I got to work with them. They taught me things like directly from Anthony Tudor's mouth uh, wow. into my ears, you know, those kind of things. So that was another thing with Arthur. It was just like, I, I really feel connected to that part of, uh, I'd say musical theater history, especially, and dance, uh, kind of the 40s, 50s, 60s. I kind of feel like I was born a little uh, too late. But so anytime I have opportunities like that to really kind of meld the history with it is uh, really something I, I don't take for granted. And that's the whole Robbins thing, learning the choreography, learning the, the Bible and the reasons behind everything and um, the sort of nuances and even the way like the not just the steps you're doing, but the way you're moving as an ensemble through the dance, you know, the spacing, how that tells a story. And so it was just extremely eye opening. And I loved it. So, so, you know, no big deal. First show on Broadway, West Side Story, Revival. I mean, how does that feel? You're, God, you're, how old are you at that point? So I'm about 22 uh, when that happens, 22 and a 23. Um, and yeah, it was, it was surreal, man. I mean, I, I like to think that I was present and enjoying it because I knew how fortunate I was. I mean, that's one of the things like I learned from a really young age is uh, 90% being in the right place at the right time, 10% talent. That's what my parents always would tell me. So it's always like you work and you prepare and you hope for these things. But at the end of the day, it's just like you get lucky. And I went to that. And of course, I put the work in. But um, so I tried to have a good perspective and really appreciate everything. Um, you know, I get getting to go to the Tony Awards, getting to perform dance at the gym at the Tony Awards, things like that. It just it was like I can't even describe it. But even though I was trying to be so present, I find now even looking back on it, um, what is it like a decade on? I still almost wish I would have taken more time to appreciate it because it was such a great opportunity and was such a a wonderful time in my life. I gotta say. Well, there there becomes in the theater world such a gig mentality in, in a way of like oh when's your next contract you know yeah. i remember when people used to call them shows but like it, it, <laughs> it's reduced to just like the contract <laughs> yeah totally and yeah. and looking back and you know my husband and i have veered off more into writing than and directing than to uh performing these days right. because many different factors but Looking back on things now, I go, you know, when you're part of things that are that magical, you don't really think they're magical because you experience them all the time and it becomes the normal to you. But when you look back on the experiences and go, my God, it takes like hundreds of people working together with the same shared vision through the same artistic eye lens that focuses it all into making it this amazing constellation that it, it becomes. Totally. And, and, and doing that over and over again, it's like the mundane schedule of like recreating that with all those people over and over again is such a, it creates such a bonding feeling. At, well, after watching Kyle, do the artful dodger that I went home that night and I quit the business. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I can't twirl. I can't kick. I can barely breathe. I can barely breathe. <laughs> I'm going to just sit here and write a, I, a show. I'm dead inside. Well, it's funny because I remember we, uh, Parker added like a big dance number in the middle of consider yourself. 
And at, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, man, like I thought I was going to kind of get off easy and not have to dance too much. But then it actually became like my favorite part of the show and I think made the kind of the role a lot more noticeable, sort of. And um, so I appreciate you saying that. But it was it was like something I, I wasn't too keen on, like the first couple days. But then after a while, I really appreciated it and had a good time with it. So I have to say, just since we're back on Oliver for one second. Maybe we'll get back to there as we go through your chronology. But the I had a first in that show. Um, that was the one and only time I made an audience groan with disgust. <laughs> when was that? Um, it, was it me? No. It was, we just heard Matt in the background. Um, it, was, it was the nights because my doctor, uh, whatever his freaking face is, who has to check on Oliver. Yeah. Um, one of his habits was constantly purelling. Well, he, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Clearly, look at the world now. But, yeah, um, prescient. Yeah, but uh, yeah, a sentient uh, prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I had that, you know, the, the sanitizer all over my hands, and I was, I can't even remember. Was I handling a thermometer? Yes, and it flew out of my hands. Uh, and I said, oh, slippery fingers, don't ask why. <laughs> and two or three people went, <laughs> and the rest went, oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's, I'll never do that again. That's great. I remember those. I loved that show. Honestly, man, that was such a great experience for me, too, that Oliver gig. Um, I, I loved watching all you guys. I mean, there was a pretty big contingency of local DC actors in that show, right? Most of you guys were. Yeah, and you had all these like little character parts and I, you know, we're in the round there. So I get to kind of warm up and kind of move around the whole stage and kind of watch from different angles. And I used to love watching all those little scenes that you guys do. It was so fun. Tom. Tom Simpson. No, yeah. Tom Story. Tom Story. Yeah. And Tom Simpson. Both Toms. Yeah, exactly. And they, Doria, Paul Vogt, those guys. Oh my gosh, yeah. the whole thing was like watching a masterclass that I didn't have to pay for. <laughs> yeah. Rayanne uh, freaking Gonzalez, man. That's right. Yeah, Rayanne. Yeah, those people. Were... I remember when I went and first saw the show, I was wearing some sort of flashy outfit. And yeah. <laughs> I, I went, of course, into the round where it feels like you're at, you know, the Verizon Center. And I mustered mm-hmm. down to the very bottom seat. And throughout the show, the first act, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, everyone is looking at me. And then I fucking realized that I was actually sitting right above the conductor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, was Paul like, was just poking his head out there. Yeah, yeah. uh-oh, Matt, sit down. They're not looking at you. <laughs> they're, looking for, they're looking for cues. Oh, oh. So, so Westside, how long are you in that, that show then on, on the Broadway? Uh, I did that the whole run. Um, and I, so that was like about two years. I think we closed in like 2011. I want to say, um, and I mean, that was, I'll give you another sort of little thing about how grateful I was. Cause when I used to, when I first moved to New York, I, uh, I had no inkling about the, the theater world or anything. I was purely focused on like trying to make it as a ballet dancer because that's what my dad was a really good ballet dancer. And I realized now I was like trying to connect with him, follow his same footsteps, do that kind of stuff. Um, but I remember I used to have this love of the theater and I'd sometimes walk through Midtown and I'd see that there were stage doors at all the Broadway theaters. And I'd be like, man, like that must be such a good thing just to be able to walk to your job every day and like just go into a theater. Because then I was doing like little tours. We'd go to like, you know, 
Greenville, North Carolina and perform at like a high school or something and stay in like a hotel. And so it wasn't like that consistency. Um, so anyway, so all those years later, I remember walking through the stage door at the palace one day and being like, wow, like I got, I got to do the thing that I thought would be so great. I'm doing it now. Um, so I just tried to keep that the whole time. And I, I wasn't really, I didn't feel like I was super, um, ready to just jump out into the musical theater business right away and start booking other Broadway shows. And I wasn't that comfortable of a singer. And I, I really just felt like I was meant to do West side. And so I, I stayed there for two years. Did you ever work with uh, Jacques or Christopher Dambois? No, I never worked with Jacques, but my father did and used to tell me a lot of stories about him. And I met when I used to dance at the ballet company in New York, I met another mutual friend of theirs and he was able to teach me some choreography and stuff. But um, yeah, he's a legend. He was. Yeah, he, uh, his son Christopher wrote a show called The Studio that was performed at Signature Theater about oh, two, yeah. two dancers. And I left that show not to take away from your story, but I left that show. It was all about movement and dance and it was so exquisite. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that. I mean, that's the thing, you know, for dancing, for me, it was like, I also started late, even though I grew up in a dance studio. Once I decided I wanna be a ballet dancer, I was like 15, I had quit for a few years. So I had a lot, to, a lot of work to do with my body and flexibility and line. Um, but there was just something about being on stage. And I remember my mom had a really, big stage presence. And I think I just picked that up from her. So I was never able to wow people so much with like, cause especially dance turned into all these fabulous tricks and people can do millions of pirouettes and crazy flips and jumps. And, um, you know, I can do my own versions of those things. And, but I feel like the thing that really drew me to dance and the thing that connects, let's say audience members with me in a performance is like that sort of, hard to explain intangible like you give yourself goosebumps and hopefully the audience gets them too because of the movement and the music and the way it all comes together and um so it can be extremely powerful but you know it's just it's a tough life too i, I learned from my parents that you have a love-hate relationship with dance um unless you're really really fortunate so that's another reason why acting was always uh something that i wanted to do on the horizon because it seems like something you could do a lot you know later into your life than pirouettes and stuff so, so am I right in thinking that after uh, West Side, your next Broadway gig is The Mystery of Edwin Drood? First came Newsies, was right after that. Newsies. Which was, okay. yeah, another sort of uh, extremely fortunate thing because Newsies was literally the original Disney movie, the Christian Bale 1992 thing. Um, I used to love that movie when I was like six, seven. I used to sing all the songs. I used to do all the accents. I used to like, it, it was crazy to to be able to do the Disney show next was, uh, it, it was really sort of lightning striking twice in a weird way. Um, so, so you did, oh my God, I, I didn't have the year on Newsies written down. You see, I have mm -hmm. these extensive scribbled down notes. Um, it's very professional. Hey um, man, now, now we got Google, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you went from West Side freaking story to Newsies. Like that is lightning striking twice. I mean, yeah. And, but it really, if you think about it, it's just, if you can be a jet, you pretty much have a lot of the qualifications to be a newsie. You know, it's not, um, it's a natural it's not progression. Like, yeah, exactly. It's not like you're doing like Hamlet or something all of a sudden. So, um, it, you know, right place, right time, same kind of thing. 
And there's something. Didn't you hit that silhouette in Oliver? Didn't you do the newsy silhouette at one point? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because um, that I was actually like the poster, like the cover, the billboard or whatever of Newsies is actually me. Most people thought it was Jeremy Jordan, um, but it was actually me. So that jump was called like the Kyle internally, like within like the Newsies company, because we do that same jump like a billion times in the show. Um, and, you know, Parker definitely knew about Newsies. And so we, we tried to throw some of that stuff in too. So you, okay, are the poster boy for Newsies. Yep. And you have a piece of a, a, a jump named after you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, you have to think that that got passed on through the touring companies and everything else. I believe um, it's pretty common. Yeah, pretty common knowledge. Because I would meet some Newsies like at auditions later uh, that were like from the tour or whatever. And they would know me because of that. So that was pretty fun. That's amazing, Kyle. So, <laughs> so tell, tell us about your Newsies experience. Like, was it another just like dream come true where you started to think, oh, this is what life is. I'm just going to show to show it. Yeah, well, that one was a little bit more challenging just because um, I, I was a bit older then and I'd done two years of eight shows a week, which I'd never done anything like that before. Because, uh, you know, in concert dance and ballet and all that stuff, it's mainly months and months of rehearsal and then like a weekend of shows. So it's like a very different discipline for your body. Um, and I was with uh, most of the other Newsies were much younger than me. I just looked the same age as them, but I was actually almost a decade older. <laughs> so and the stage was steel because they had these huge um, sort of like rotating set pieces, like fire escape things that looked amazing, but they needed steel um girders to support them or whatever so um it was really fun but at the same time i was starting to be a little bit less like the sheen was coming off a bit and i was more like you know signing up for a lot of pt meet like uh, appointments and um working on my body and um that was one of the reasons when i got the opportunity the drew came like uh six months after the broadway contract opened and i'd done the paper mill version of newsy so that whole thing was like a year so my knees were really rough, and um, I got an opportunity to do Druid right after that, and that was uh, a totally different beast because it was so much more. Uh, I didn't do much in the show, but just to be around all those actors and to be to be in such like an actory singery type of show was uh, something I was really in, interested in, and it, you know, it was, it was a great experience as well. It gave your body a break, so yeah, yeah, gave you a chance. And to I, I wasn't nearly the old, the, nearly the oldest person there. I was one. Of, I was like one of the younger people in that company. So that was like just a nice, I, I tend to enjoy hanging out with people, you know, since I was a kid that were a little bit older than me. So to be with like a bunch of guys that were, you know, been in the industry for like 20 years and just kind of kicking it in the dressing room, that was like, uh, it was a really good experience and what I really needed at that point in my life. So. so I have to confess to you, I really shamefully don't know much at all about the mystery of Edwin Drood. Never listened to it. Never. Dude, seen I had it. no no idea either. Um, but actually, I think I you think would really dig it. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I think that's why it's a mystery." Yeah, it is. It is very mystery, mysterious. Mysterious. Yeah. Can Can you tell me? Uh, Cheetah? I was Cheetah in that cast. Yeah, Cheetah Rivera. Okay. Yeah. All right. So break down for me. Like, I'll I'll Google it later what it's about. And listeners, you do the same. But tell me like some highlights of the people in the cast. All right. So, so Rupert Holmes, uh, he's the guy that wrote the musical. And I don't know if you're familiar with him right off the bat, but he's most famous for writing the Pina Colada song. <laughs> um, 
and so he's just like a professional lyricist, right? And I think he wrote the show like in the 80s or something, but it's basically Charles Dickens' last book that he died before he finished was The Mystery of Edmund Drood. So Rupert Holmes concocted this whole old school music hall. It's like a show within a show. It's all these old English actors putting on The Mystery of Edmund Drood. And the audience, since it's an unfinished show, the audience gets to vote on who the murderer is at the end of every show. And there's a different corresponding number forever whoever becomes the murderer and then there's like a little duet for whoever becomes the lovers and so it kind of has this different show every night but it's beautiful music uh really complicated sort of script um i didn't know anything about it either it blew my mind but so the cast in that it was like all these people before they kind of started to win tony awards so we had jesse mueller we had betsy wolf we had andy carl um peter benson cheetah rivera um uh who's the other guy that uh, Will Chase was the main guy, um, and they're playing these characters, and they're playing the character of the actor, also playing the character from the novel, um, and it was just, uh, it was crazy. I mean, I'd be in the room just like, I can't believe I'm watching this stuff, and all these people just improv and it's a comedy, so they're just kind of going wherever they want. They can sing incredibly, um, and I got to work with Cheetah, and it was like, you know, there was one story, like, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to, like, toot my own horn or anything, but it's just, like, back to the same, like, historical sense. Like, I learned how to be a professional, like, from my parents, right? And, like, it was very serious. Even though my mom had a dance studio in Branson, Missouri, like, she took everything very serious, and the art was really important. And, you know, you weren't allowed to talk in her class, and you would get yelled at if you weren't paying attention, like, all that kind of stuff. And there was one moment where I was doing, like, a handstand, and the choreographer, um, uh, asked me to do uh, a handstand and he was like, can you hold it for like three more counts before you roll? And I was like, sure. And I did it. And I just happened to hear Cheetah on the side and she's like, look, that's how it used to be. Like, that's what it used to be like. The choreographer asked you if you could do something and you said, yeah. And her husband played Arab in the movie. So we, we connected with that a lot, but it was just another example of like, man, I was born in the wrong era. And, but I got to, I got to have that moment of connection with her to be like, I don't know. This is important to me too. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, but she was also the most like pranksterish. Like she didn't take it that seriously. Like once we opened, she was always in the wings, like doing crazy stuff, trying to make people laugh and had an amazing sense of humor. And um, yeah, she was a, a total delight. When she was doing the visit down here in Arlington at Signature, we would be drinking at the Capital City Brewing Company. Mm. And after her show, we'd, wa we'd watch her walk with her dog to her, her room. And it was so surreal. We'd be like, oh, my gosh, look, there's Cheetah. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And it's funny now, uh, when I think about it, the first day of the table read, when we were all going around introducing herself, ourselves, she introduced herself as Rita Moreno, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> Everybody got a chuckle out of that. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, speaking of Rita Moreno, let's go to West Side Story film now. Mm -hmm. um, that's a natural segue. All, uh, they, all they did was film the 2009 version. Nuh -uh. <laughs> and what's his face? That director is just going to cut it up. What's his face? <laughs> that director. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name, but he's been around. Um, so, yeah. so this is uh, it, it's huge, Kyle. I mean, this this film is going to be huge. Um, it's it's huge before it's even. I mean, just the preview, the trailer alone, is exquisite. It's gorgeous. Um, oh yeah, thanks. I'm glad you enjoyed it. 
Oh, God. Is, uh, it, is this going to be a completely different window into what we know as West Side Story? You know, I think I, I'm only, I don't want to give anything away. Uh, I think we're, I have to speak like just generally in sort of broad strokes. Um, but I will say that all the people that worked on it, like Stephen, Tony Kushner, Janine Tesori, that did the music, they all had like a crazy immense respect and love for the material. So they all were coming at it as a, as a way to um, honor it, as opposed to like trying to like uh, subvert it or do their own take or, you know what I'm trying to say? Like they, there are gonna be some things that are different, of course, um, and you'll just have to wait and see, but it, it was immensely satisfying because I've done West Side a few times and learned from different people that were there from Jerome Robbins. Um, and so I, I kind of have a, a pretty good scope of like what it should be, right, ideally. And um, it's going to be, it's going to blow people's minds, I think. Um, so what you're trying to say is Tony survives. <laughs> yeah yeah i'm trying to yeah exactly got it i, I i'll tell you more <laughs> wink wink i get you so kyle uh you're, you're dancing in the movie correct yeah I'm, I'm playing one of the jets i'm playing ice so let me let's just i talk to our friends if anyone's listening out there um are you if you're outside and you're doing like a, a street thing uh, you're not on like a dance sprung floor, right? Or do they? Definitely not. Nope. No, we were right there on the terrain. So you're just um, in the elements doing choreography. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh um, gosh. Yeah, that was challenging. That, and especially for dancers who, uh, I guess we have a real definite feeling when it went well in our bodies and when it didn't. Um, and so if you're dancing through an alley that has cobblestones and trash and dust and it's uneven and you know you do something it doesn't feel like you were doing it in the studio so you might feel like oh man like can we can we try another take of that or something but then after a while we sort of realized like it's supposed to be what it's supposed to be like we're not in the studio right we are on the concrete we are on uh, 135th street and the sun is blaring it's like 90 degrees and so you just kind of take it you kind of adapt to the environment and uh, sort of let that into the movement as opposed to like trying to worry so much about um, getting it perfect. Um, but at the same time, it was a challenge. But when you're working with that many people, it's like what we were talking about, how many people it takes to make a show happen. It's the same thing with the film. There's so many people and they're all doing all these jobs. And if they don't mind moving a huge piece of, you know, a, a huge crane and an old 1950s car. Like if they don't mind moving it six inches to the left to make the shot better, even though it's going to take another two hours to set up, you're not really in the place where you're thinking like, Oh man, like this is too hard. I wish we weren't on concrete. You know, you're just like kind of there trying to make it happen and trying to um, all work toward the same goal. And so it's hard, but also it's, you know, it's not like you're doing it, you're doing three minutes over and over and over again. You're doing like a little take here and then you're doing it with a different angle. And so you can kind of, it's a challenge, but it's also kind of a way to, um, you know, not throw your back out within the first couple takes. 
where does the music come from? Do, is it like just speakers everywhere? Mm. Yeah. We could, we could do speakers when we were at certain locations where there wasn't people, but when we were in like Harlem, let's say, and it's just like a normal day, we can't have the music blaring. So we all have these little tiny uh, like earpieces that they put in and they play the music through that. So we can hear it in our heads, but you can't hear it outside. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. It's not like on a Bluetooth speaker that, you know, somebody's friend has. Yeah. And, yeah. And put, in a coffee cup phone, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. But um, I mean, there's just so much that's involved. That we had all the uh, extras and the cars. And so there would always be all these, you know, and it was my first major film. Uh, I did like a couple of days on an indie film, like in 2012, but it wasn't nearly like this. So it was just like seeing all the the pieces of the machinery that go together and, and the people with megaphones trying to like make it all happen and direct the traffic and hold the hold the real traffic so we can shoot and get the extras going. And it's just, you know, it was pretty amazing. So you, I'm guessing you got to work with Rita Moreno then. Yep. Yeah. She was around and she executive produced the film too. So she was there. And we did a lot of, uh, before we started shooting, we did a lot of, uh, I don't know what you call it, I guess research or something. We had people come in um, and, and talk to us, like that were historians, um, kind of painting the picture of like what life was actually like in the late 50s, like for these uh, types of people and New York in general and what was going on with like real estate and all that kind of stuff. And so she was around uh, for all that kind of stuff too. Um, and I, I only shared one, I, I think it's just one scene with her, um, but I, she was around a lot. She's playing the equivalent of Doc, right? Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I think her name is Valentina, I believe. So do you get like some sort of like really cool, exclusive VIP screening in LA, New York, of that you can go to before it actually opens to me and Steve? Man, I hope so. Um, I, I honestly... We just are kind of figuring out what's going on with, um, I, I guess it seems like movie theaters are going to be back by December. And um, I, I really have no information of that as of yet. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to see it together as a cast first um, before, like, you know, it, it goes out in, in public. I think I heard that's something that might happen. I'm not sure if it still will, but um, I, I mean, I, there was... I can't speak for my personal performance or anything, but some of the things that I witnessed were so moving and so amazing um, that I can't wait to see how they translate it on the, on the screen. I'm so excited and so proud for people to see uh, what it's going to be. And I, I'm just really, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, that I'm going to see it early, but I have no clue. Um, and this was, what, just for our listeners' uh, sake, what, what year did this film in? We filmed it the summer of 2019. Okay. So we, we rehearsed for a while before that for all the dancing, and then we filmed from about June, I believe, through like the beginning of September, something like that. Okay. So then pandemic happened, and you're like, great, it's even ruined my movie release. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, Kyle, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, yeah, it was a pleasure. I'm, I, Wait, I'm so going... excited for you guys. 
are we going through our three questions? Yeah, we have just three final closing questions. No, right. I have one more question. Oh, you have one besides the three. Okay. Earlier, we were talking mm-hmm. from here, Arlington to Boise, mm-hmm. home of the onion ring cheeseburger sandwich. Yes. <laughs> and I think I heard the background ensemble member was a kitty cat. Oh, yeah. You, you picked up on that, huh? Yeah. So who's the kitty cat? All right, so yeah, I got a little kitty cat here. Uh, her name is Scooter. Scooter, she, hi, Scooter. Yeah, she's really sweet. Um, she's kind of mad now because I started letting her go outside the last couple of days because um, I just got her and she's still a kitten. But once uh, she's been outside once, she's like so angry anytime she's stuck inside. Um, and the reason I got a cat is just because I really wanted an animal friend and I'm not exactly sure how long I'm going to be staying in Boise and what the next step is. And I figure a cat is a little bit easier to uh, transition with than a dog. But a dog is definitely my next thing that I'm going to get because I miss I grew up with dogs and cats and I haven't had a dog in a while. Only roommates that have had dogs in the city and I really need a dog again. So that'll be next. And you can show Scooter how to do the Jellicle ball. (laughs) Yeah. Dear, 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 dear. That's a whole nother discussion. Cats. Yeah, he, he oh, never, yeah. never wound his way into that one. You didn't. You never no. done cats. Never did. No. Um, Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. I just let's just leave that one. Dodge unfit. that bullet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, I, I did the show once at Toby's Dinner Theater in Columbia, Maryland. I was Mungo Jerry, uh-huh. and I when you when you're in the show as a dancer you can get away with murder because you're dressed up like a damn cat. So if, <laughs> if you, if you want to go over and like, you know, grab a piece of food or scratch someone else's tail or whatever, yeah. <laughs> no one cares because you're just a bunch of cats. I've heard that from some of my friends who've done cats. They, they got some stories about, yeah, what they did when they were in that. I had, a, I had a friend that used to hide candy on the set. <laughs> <laughs> I would be smacking so many people. I would be evil. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, oh cats is a cats is a tough one. All right, all right. Question number one. Yes. So the first question is: Everybody during the pandemic, you know, everyone started learning a language or learning how to do something special in the kitchen or learning, you know, whatever. Did you take the time the past year to like say, "Well, now I know how to make my own soda pop"? <laughs> well, that's actually a really good question. And yeah, at the beginning, I was making uh, mayonnaise. Made some mayonnaise, which was uh, pretty fun. Also made some rice milk, some homemade rice milk. But then I got to say, I got into cocktail making. Um, I really enjoyed like the sort of uh, mad scientist kind of part of mixing cocktails. And uh, so, yeah, I got all the, you know, the equipment and got a book about it and got all the ice and the temperatures and all the tools. And so that's what I've been doing. So when we get that restaurant in New York City where all the actors go after the show called the Kaufman. Oh, yeah. It'll yeah. Have, it'll all, wait, all the drinks will be from shows. That's a good idea. Yeah. To be like, drinks. hey, could I have the ice? Mm, mm-hmm. See, I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah he's always thinking. Um, second question. During the pandemic, everybody has not everybody clearly but a lot of people have binged a, a new thing that they didn't have time to watch before are you, you talking about pringles no oh, yeah <laughs> I, I binged a lot of pringles too i'm yeah but no like netflix amazon like what what has been mm-hmm. like a thing that you have discovered during the period 
Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I've been binge watching things way before it was uh, popular and like a coined term. That's just kind of how I've always. It's really hard for me to like just watch one episode of one thing. You know, I barely sleep. Um, I feel like you know you. I remember kind of feeling that vibe from you when you were putting all those horror movies up there. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So it was pretty easy. Uh, like I kind of was joking with my friends earlier. Like I kind of was living the. Uh, pandemic life you know my whole life was just kind of like everyone was doing what I do now but one thing that I did watch that I wasn't for some reason I was just kind of resistant to I kind of just didn't really have any interest in it but as soon as I watched one episode bam the whole thing was gone in like two weeks was The Crown on Netflix same with Matthew yep yeah I mean I'm gonna speak for Kyle for a second but like please I, I, I'm, a, I love hit, the older I get, I'm now 51 years old, but I still look like I'm 49. Oh yeah, um, easily. <laughs> um, I, I'm really drawn to history. So I was like, okay, what's the big damn deal about this crown crap? And I watched the first episode and was like, oh my God, did that really happen? Mm-hmm. And then every exactly. episode, as you know, just like, oh my God, did that happen? Yeah. I'm, I can't, I went into it knowing nothing really about the Royal family or anything like that. So it was I'm, all surprising to me. I mean, the dude that, that snuck into Buckingham Palace? Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm also watching, have you guys uh, heard of this Mayor of Easttown that's on HBO with Kate Winslet? No. That's, uh, I think it's, it's coming out every Sunday. I think there's been like three episodes or something, but it's kind of um, one of those, like, she's a detective and kind of, it's kind of the same thing we've seen before, sort of Twin Peaks, Broadchurchy kind of true detective kind of thing. But it's just done really well, and Kate Winslet's just phenomenal in it, and uh, it's got some really nice atmosphere, and so I've been getting into that lately, too. Wait, you saw Broadchurch? Yeah, well, I haven't seen all of Broadchurch, but I've seen uh, enough of it. I I went through a lot of, like, the English shows for a while on Netflix, um, like Downton Abbey and Sherlock and all those kind of things, and... um, yeah, I watch Broad Church every every night. I would watch another episode to be like, "Oh my god, this shit is messed up." Yeah, didn't they make an American version of that too, or something? No, there's just so many sort of like true crime detective shows now. It's hard to keep in track. Yeah. Track them. yeah. All right, and lastly, Kyle, uh, we are we've been asking all of our guests if they had a wish, one wish for themselves, their family, the country, the world, whatever it may be, what would that one thing be that you wish for? Oh, man. Well, now, I mean, if you would ask me a year ago, maybe I would have had a different answer. But um, as someone who loves to travel and loves to, like, experience other cultures and languages and food and stuff like that, um, I'd say I just wish that we could open the borders again healthily, you know, and everyone could just go back to not not taking traveling for granted um, and be able to live, you know, as corny as it sounds, as like citizens of the earth and be able to experience everything and not have to be locked into our little invisible lines and our little, uh, our little worlds. I miss that. I miss traveling. Yeah. All right. Your wish is going into the wish box with every other guest. And all right. And into the collective consciousness of wishes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Send it out there. Um, so, Kyle, it's been, like, a real pleasure, like, talking with you. And I'll be, we'll be watching for that West Side Story movie. Uh, call yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Call, call us when you're yeah. in D.C. We'll meet at that bar near Arena that's not there anymore. 
<laughs> Dude, actually, I probably will go to. I have a friend in Virginia, so I might go visit him, and I'll definitely give you guys a ring when I'm there. It'd be absolutely, great to see you. absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was really fun, and congratulations on your podcast. That's really cool. Um, yeah, it was. It was a pleasure. Oh, pleasure was ours, dude. Thanks so much. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye, bye. So great catching up with Kyle. Um, we're really excited and looking forward to seeing that that movie this uh, December. Um, how are you doing? You're busy doing things right now. Oh yeah, I am currently in the middle of directing Always Patsy Klein. That's going to run for four weekends outside in the park, Cherry Hill Park, uh, through produced by Creative Cauldron, and we're going to have a different Patsy every weekend. We have Kanisha Williams, we have Candace Shed Thompson, uh, we have Katie Benko, and uh, Sally Imbriano. And uh, who's playing the friend? Oh, and Aaron Granfield is playing Louise, which is based on a real character, Louise Sater. Mm-hmm. And um, Margie Jervis will be doing costumes. I think James might be doing, James Morrison might be doing the lights. We're still kind of figuring out the light issue since it's going to be outside. It's going to be outside in a park, so. Mm-hmm. This is where we did all of our um, concerts and cabarets last summer, and now we're going to do them again this summer. Okay. So uh, we open uh, first night is the 28th of May. Very exciting. And uh, for any of you listening to this who want to subscribe rate and review to this podcast we'd highly appreciate it helps us get uh, a word out there um and also if you want to know more about us go to www.connorsmithmusicals.com that's connor with an er and s-m-i-t-h and you should know how to spell musicals by now um other than that that does this episode in and we uh will be talking to uh, Vishal Vaidya uh, tomorrow, and looking forward to that conversation. And as we always say, turn, turn your, your heart, heart into, into art. art. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.